Alright everybody, turn the volume up and grab a chalk bag to dry your sweaty palms. The process is about to begin. Hey everybody, just trying out a new intro today, seeing how we like the feel of that. Um, if you have any questions, comments, or hate mail, you can always send them to austin at thefreesoloist.com. Let me know what you think, and also feel free to send in any questions whatsoever that you have about soloing and my climbing or what have you, and um, you know, one of these days I'll get together a listener's questions episode. All right. Hope you like what we got planned for you today for the uh, first episode of the official podcast here. We're going to start with the start, right at the beginning of this season. To set the stage for this episode, the uh, relevant fact is that I've only been living in Chicago for a smidgen over one year now. Um, and as a stranger in a strange place, it's often hard to get your start and get moving, uh, when I lived in the southeast, I knew the local lore and the reputation of a lot of the climbs in the region, so it wasn't too terribly hard to cook up ideas for my next solo. Um, but out here, I didn't know anything. So, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of logistics to figure out as to how I'm going to find good routes that'll go cordless. Um, but first, you know... This summer heat put off the red for the whole season. It's just too hot. But Devil's Lake in Wisconsin was pretty much easy mode, at least as far as logistics and scouting goes. Uh, everything tops out, and the rock is solid enough to survive a nuclear apocalypse. So the only question when I'm on the rock is up or down. And after a decade of experience in the high lonesome, that's... Uh, that's a question that I'm used to solving. With the red, on the other hand, that's a whole other monster. Roots often end arbitrarily at an anchor marooned in space, or the wall will suddenly turn either to a smooth, unbroken bulge or a mess full of mud and moss. There's slopers, funk, weirdness, brittle holds. Definitely not the sort of guaranteed bomb-proof thing that you're looking for when you're soloing. But, uh... Once upon a time, back when I lived in Atlanta, a friend asked me to, to uh, suggest the best 5.11s in the region. I had a pretty good notion from hands-on experience, but decided to check Mountain Project for the list of most popular just to make sure that I hadn't missed anything. Um, much to my surprise, this search returned a list of my favorite solos. That's pretty interesting. So, curious now. I searched the same on Joshua Tree, and that returned a tick list from such names as John Backer and Mike Reardon. Red Rocks was peppered with Honold and Backer's highlights, while Yosemite, the granddaddy of them all, when filtered for most popular, was filled with the iconic solos of John Backer, Henry Barber, Dean Potter, Alex Honold, and Peter Croft. Well... I guess nobody likes feeling insecure, not just soloists. So up here in Chicago, 
pondering my next adventure. I knew that logistics could be a nightmare if I just struck crags at random based on intuition and guidebook photos. Finding Twelves de Solo in the southeast, um, you know, through hearsay and talking to people was usually a matter of weeks and months. But now I had a new trick that I was hoping to speed up the process, so I searched the entire Red River Gorge on Mountain Project, filtered for 12 A's and 12 B's, and made sure the list was sorted by most popular N. Right at the top of the list, the most popular 12 A in the region was Twinkie. So last season, in the early spring, a bit too early judging by the temperatures, I went to go check it out. Uh, due to random circumstance, I lacked a partner and opted to rope solo the climb. <laughs> my, my systems for rope soloing were definitely not dialed at the time, so I had to go indirect at every single bolt to manage slack. And Yeah, it was about as much of a pain in the ass as it sounds like. Still. I was able to repeatedly rehearse that damn slab move without committing to wanton acts of belayer abuse, so, you know, that was, that was kind of a plus right there. Um, as I reached the anchor of the route after, oh, fuck, I don't know, maybe like an hour of toiling, um, a confused climber came around the corner, and I shouted down, hoping to get a little bit of assistance. You know, hey, man, if I, uh, if I bomb off this thing, would you mind giving me a catch? Wait, what? Uh, yeah, sure, I was planning on projecting this thing anyway. Score. <laughs> uh, at that point, I was able to send the route with relative ease and much less faffing about. There was a slab move down low, though, that had me worried as far as the solo goes. Your right hand gets this little pointer finger mono that's only about maybe a pad deep. And even worse, it's a side pull. And your left hand gets this little credit card crimp that, um, frankly, is optimistic when you describe it at four millimeters. We're talking about the kind of holds where you just know that you're screwed if you pull on them. They're, they're basically just there for balance, so the real trick is to trust your entire body weight to this friggin' smear. Um... It, it's honestly, it's not a hard move. It's just very, very committing. And I've heard people describe this move as the crux, but I think that's because uh, those people have not really done a whole lot of slab in their life. Maybe gym slab, but that's a lot different from, you know, outdoor rowdy slab. So you really have to trust your entire body weight to that smear. It's a smear that's roughly like cutting a golf ball in half and pressing it into the rock to create a little divot. It's not terribly much, but it's there. And if you can stand up on that right foot, a pair of three-quarter inch crimps allow you to sink your uh, fingers into some good stone and pull straight through to jugs uh, and get yourself established right below the overhang. Still, though... Just about every bad experience I've ever had while soloing was on a slab. You know, when you've got the rope on, you feel like a hero. But when you're out there by yourself trusting a, only your fingers and toes, and you know you've got to trust your entire being to a single smear, 
Suddenly it's off. Um, in his book, Alone on the Wall, Alex Honnold recounted a moment on his solo of Half Dome where he encountered a, a very frightening smear. That chapter was entitled, A Very Private Hell. Due to life circumstances and whatnot, I only managed to make one visit to Twinkie uh, that season, but I was able to certify that it could go, that it passed the pre-flight checklist. Um, I just didn't have the time available to pull the trigger and send that season. Uh, you know how life gets, things are busy. But this summer, as per normal, I followed standard protocol and trained like an absolute masochist. So, I knew that Twinkie probably wasn't the only item waiting for me at the red, and I really wanted to be ready and fit to just see how much I could do. During the summer, that smear of a foothold, it, it really weighed heavy on me. Uh, slabs kind of frighten me whenever, uh, I mean, I'm, I like them on a rope, but whenever I'm cordless, that's a, that's a whole other thing. Um... But for the time being, I had something even more frightening in my sights. Devil's Lake. And the first time I ever went to Devil's Lake was a few years ago, during my uh, first visit to Chicago, and... Man, it was spooky. I was just out there on-site soloing by myself, and... Shoot. I got scared on a 5-4. Cleopatra's Needle for the uh, home crew. <laughs> uh, at about that point, um, I knew it was best if I backed off and went home. <laughs> Can't win them all. But uh, the rock there is about as solid as anybody could ever want. But, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? And uh, the price for the solidity is friction, which is only just barely there. Some of the roots feel like climbing on Teflon. Uh, the wall is so naturally slick that it shines in the afternoon sun like a freshly stamped bolt hanger, of which you'll find none in the entire park. This place is as trad as they get. Almost a, uh, you know, the, the ethic is, you know, it's basically like gritstone. No fixed gear whatsoever. The first climb I tried at Devil's Lake was a little 5-6 called Brenton's Crack. Little. Uh, it's, it's an intimidating line. It's about maybe 60 feet tall. And I must have slammed 10 pieces in that thing during the lead because I was absolutely wigged out. This place stole a friend of mine from this world. And, um... It weighed as heavily on my mind as the gravity on my hands and feet with each movement up the wall. It was just so sudden, so unexpected, and just fucking wrong. <sighs> I really just couldn't shake it from my mind while I was out there climbing. But, uh, Brandon and I rallied through and kept climbing and started to understand the rock and the movement, and by the end of the day, I'd climbed 14 pitches. And the 13th lap of the day was a 5'6 named Push Me Pull You, 
where I only put about ah, maybe four or five pieces in a hundred feet. I was in a groove at this point, so I turned around and soloed the line to make my 14th lap of the day. Um, despite the heavy-headed start, I actually managed to find some peace on this rock. So throughout the end of the summer, I ticked lap, lap after lap, finishing somewhere around like 80 pitches total over the space of a few weekends, if you include gratuitous repeats of, uh, you know, some of my favorites. So, um, you know, after proper practice, I'd ramped my way up to an on-site solo of Calipigianus Crack, or however the hell you say it. It's a 510A, and uh, turned around and soloed it barefoot shortly thereafter. The frictionless smears of Devil's Lake had started to feel mighty fine to me, and that brought my attention back to Twinkie and that smear. How would it feel now? Devil's Lake is so frictionless, sandbag, technical, cryptic, and intimidating that uh, my theory is if you can do a move here, you can do that move anywhere. <laughs> Holy shit. When I get back to Sandstone, I'm going to feel like Superman. So when preparing for solos, I like to practice a little bit of healthy self-sabotage, or sandbagging as we call it. Devil's Lake is a sandbag in its own right, but to top it off, I'd been practicing soloing there in August. Temps from about 80, you know, mild to something more moderate, around 90, with humidity to match, didn't help the already poor friction. Luckily, I am from Texas, and I am a complete idiot. And, um... Having practiced at the most intimidating crag I've ever visited, in the worst conditions I could have chosen short of freezing, the end of September at the Red River Gorge looked mighty fine to me. Temps and humidity were something roughly analogous to Satan's almighty ass crack, but that didn't really concern me much. You see, uh, Satan's almighty ass crack is about 20 degrees cooler than the central Texas summer that I grew up in, and the red... The Reds actually got trees, instead of cactus. <laughs> so, um, the night before the event, relaxing over my favorite extremely odd hippie pizza creation from Miguel's, we met up with some fellow climbers from Chicago that um, we weren't expecting to be there. You know, we were all laying out the, the next day's plan, and I told them, you know, this weekend is the one. So they uh, they kind of piggybacked on that stoke. I'd been talking about Twinkie for a while. I have this uh, problem where when I'm excited about something, it seems to be that I'm constantly... I'm just constitutionally incapable of shutting up about it, to, to be blunt. So they knew about this, and they knew it was coming, and they piggybacked on that stoke, and they... Actually, they decided to change plans to meet up with us at Fantasia the next day yeah, so they could witness the event. Waking the next morning under a heavy fog with moisture beating up on every single possible surface left me feeling quite disconcerted, though. Most of the route is comprised of wraparound jugs, but that doesn't do you any good if they've been slimed like a ghostbuster. My plan was to warm up by leading the route, follow it to clean, and then solo immediately. But on the first lap, I just knew deep down inside that I was completely screwed. 
I needed like five takes to get up the thing because the holds felt like dog snot and I'd forgotten all the moves since hopping on it in the spring. Morose, I moped around the crag and told everybody it was off. But still, I'm here, Root's here. Might as well take uh, my fingers for a test drive and dial it in for the next time, so I set a 20-minute timer and waited. Pulling off the ground to lead the route again, I immediately knew this time was different. The sun had broken through the heavy blanket of morning fog, and the holds felt notably drier. This time, maybe only half the route felt slimy, uh, which was a tremendous improvement. The jugs actually felt like jugs rather than polished plastic gym slopers, and I sent the route while having a calm conversation with Bones. I felt like this might be game on. And especially if this warming trend continued over the day. So this time, I set a 40-minute timer and waited again to top rope the line and pull my draws. Standing on that right foot smudge which had vexed me so much and weighed heavily in my thoughts, I actually felt bomber. It was as Devil's Lake had turned my shoes into semi-automatic friction machines, and I was able to weight it without any worry whatsoever. So immediately, Bones and I took uh, to work, and we got lost as all hell trying to hike around through the muck and brush and brambles to the top of the wall. It took about a month for my shins to resemble something human again afterward, but at the end of this, after about an hour and a half spent whacking every single bush in Kentucky we'd reached the top of the wall. So I hung a knotted rope over the edge of the route towards the anchors to replace the non-existent top out and give myself a way to pull over the edge, and then we threw down ropes to wrap in and get the shot. Uh, as I lowered off, I realized our hike around had taken far too long, uh, as there was another pair of climbers on the wall, and they were getting ready to project the route. Luckily, after a quick bit of negotiation, they kindly offered to clean their draws off the wall to prep for my ascent and allow us to proceed. Um, they, too, were actually kind of stoked to watch. So I tuned out the world beyond my eight-foot eggshell of focus and pulled on my shoes, thinking, Huh. That's weird. Toes on these things are a bit more raggedy than I remember. Ugh. Well, it's not like this route requires any toe precision, so I brushed that thought away, pulled on, and executed the route in a single smooth flow with zero hesitation. This time, only about six or eight of the holds felt like toothpaste. <laughs> but uh, that was a known factor, and it, it didn't really bother me. I was locker solid anyhow, and had planned for that possibility during my practice laps, because shoot, my practice laps were about as slimy as it could be. I pulled over the top on my knotted rope. Bones lowered himself to the ground. And then I tossed the ropes, the rigging, my shoes, chalk, threw it all over the edge back to the ground. Leave no trace, y'all. This is a wilderness area. Can't leave any rigging at the top, you know. It's anathema. Satisfied, I wandered down to the road and moseyed on back to the base of the route dirtied from the muck of the approach or descent, whatever you want to call it, and barefoot like a vagabond on the asphalt. Hey, man. How'd your shoes feel? 
My shoes? They felt fine. A bit more tore up than I'd remembered, but wasn't a big deal. Why? Because those were my shoes, man. <laughs> you can't make these things up. Uh, one of those climbers that was projecting Twinkie when we lowered off, he had the exact same size of blue Butora Acros that I do. And he'd left them right at the base of the climb and I'd mistaken them for my own. Sent the whole route with the stranger's feet without even realizing it. Um, perhaps a bit more literal than walking a mile in someone's shoes, but it, it makes for a good story. Everybody needs that story of the one time they met some crazy fucker, and I am proud to be of service. Uh, Alright y'all, that wraps up the show for today, so do remember to be safe out there, but if for some reason you find yourself constitutionally incapable of being safe due to some temporary or permanent form of the best kind of madness, be careful. Mm-hmm.